For fans of the Magnus Archives, like me, Sasha Sienna and Jonathan Sims have launched the Neon Inkwell feed, which is their ongoing home for full cast narrative podcasts written by creators from all around the world. Not only does Neon Inkwell have weekly episode drops, they will be premiering an entirely new show every six to nine weeks. So if you are forever looking for new horror, mystery, fantasy, or sci-fi stories, like me, then subscribe to Neon Inkwell now. Find Neon Inkwell wherever you get your podcasts or visit rustyquill.com for more information. that haunt. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence or explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Lena asked and peered into the space behind me on the computer screen. What's what? I answered and looked away from my phone in my hand and back to my friend on my computer. That! Lena insisted and pointed towards the back of my bedroom to emphasise her point. I followed the line of her arm and turned around in my seat to study the dim space behind me. I squinted into the corner she'd pointed to but all I could make out was the thin, dark rectangle of my half-opened closet and the various clothes that had spilled out of said closet over the months since I'd last grossed myself out enough to do something about it. See? There! Lena insisted again with more resolve, and so I looked even harder to try and make out what she was referring to. I looked back at my computer and shrugged. Dude, I don't see anything. I glanced back one more time. Do you mean that hoodie? I asked, referring to the bright white wad of a shirt that glowed on top of the heap. No, dude, she sighed with frustration. It looks like... (sighs) She trailed off for a second as she leaned in to get a better look. It looks like a shoulder. What? I shrieked and tried to laugh, but the laugh was tinged with the nervous realisation that Lena was being serious. I leaned over to squint into the small window that showed my side of the chat and the screen. My face in the display grew as I got closer and I shifted so that I wasn't obscuring the room behind me. The window was too small for me to be able to see anything clearly, so I clicked on the corner to enlarge it and it swelled to match the size of Lena's. Look in the right corner, Lena commanded, and my eyes instinctively looked left. The other right! My eyes shifted to the correct spot and I gasped and slapped my hands over my mouth. See? Lena's voice expressed a mix of relief that I'd finally seen it and worry that there was something in the corner of my room. What is that? I could feel my eyes widen involuntarily as I leaned in to get a better look, and Lena was right. 
just behind the growing heap of clothes by the closet. It it looked like a shoulder of someone hunched over trying to hide. I don't know how she'd spotted it, but once I saw it, the bony outline of a female shoulder was unmistakable. I raised my wide eyes to meet Lena's as a silent request to tell me what to do, and she simply shrugged. I studied the shoulder for a few more seconds for any sign of movement, and then I took a deep breath in and turned round. Lena let out a squeak and semi-protest as I turned... But as soon as I did, I could no longer see anything out of the ordinary in the messy corner. I don't see it, Lena, I said with my back to her on the screen. What? You're kidding. It's still there. I shook my head, then looked back at the screen where, just as Lena had claimed, I could still clearly see the shoulder. But this time, just seconds after I turned my back, the shoulder moved as if rolling over or falling. Lena and I screamed in unison, and just moments later... My mum threw open the door to my room and turned on the lights. What on earth, Sydney? She asked, breathless and tousled looking. I pointed to the corner where the shoulder had been and she marched over to it, mumbling something about how she never gets a moment's peace. This? She asked and held up a rumpled dress. This is what you're screaming about? She scanned the pile and continued. This makes me want to scream because it's so disgusting. But I don't see what you were screaming about. There was a shoulder, Mrs Taylor, Lena shouted through the computer. We saw it move. A shoulder, my mum asked as she stood upright and shot me a stern look. Listen, girls, I don't mind if you chat late on the weekends, but keep it down if you're going to play Bloody Mary or whatever. Oh my God, mum, I protested and glanced between my mother and the pile a few times. How old do you think we are? Well, whatever you get up to... Please keep it to a dull roar. I'm catching up on housewives. And with that, she was gone. I got up and walked to the place where the shoulder had been. I kicked over the pile with my foot and the explosion of dirty clothes just revealed more clothes. See anything? Lena asked impatiently from across the room. Nothing, I replied, and then leaned over to grab a shirt that appeared once the pile had been scattered. I've been looking for this, I mumbled to myself, then dropped it and returned to my desk. Must have been a shadow or something. I shrugged and slid back into my seat. I don't know, man, Lena said in her most serious voice. That was freaking weird. So weird, I agreed with a giggle. Lena joined me in a round of relieved laughter and then we picked up our phone to resume the online surveillance of her crush that had been interrupted by the shoulder sighting. We logged off a couple of hours later and I tucked myself into bed, exhausted from a particularly rigorous round of stalking our peers. The unease from earlier in the night creeped back in once my lights were off and I was under the covers. I trailed my eyes down my bed towards the closet and took a quick inventory of the area before I fell asleep. Everything was a haphazard mess, just like I liked it. And so I closed my eyes and drifted off, confident that the earlier sighting had just been a figment of our over-caffeinated minds. Sydney! I woke suddenly as the sound pierced through my sleep and sent a shock of panic wakefulness through my body. I sat up with my blankets clutched to my chin for comfort and scanned my dark room for the source of the sound. My eyes immediately went to the corner by the closet, but the scattered clothes remained limp on the floor and there was no sign of the shoulder or anything resembling a human. I slouched back towards my pillow, 
my breath trapped in my chest and continued to squint into the shadowy room for any sign of an intruder, but there was nothing. I slowly lay back and put my head on the pillow at an angle that would allow me to see most of the room without moving too much. I listened for a while with my eyes open, but eventually let them drift close when it seemed that the coast was clear and the sound had just been part of some dream I'd been having. I woke up the next morning feeling relatively well rested considering the strange activity from the night before. I could hear the obnoxious chants of encouragement coming from my mum's peloton in the next room, and the smell of strong coffee my dad preferred was wafting up from downstairs. I reached for my phone to check my social media and responded to any messages that had come up in the few short hours since I'd gone to bed, then dragged myself up towards the smell of the French roast that had been a family favourite since I was born. My dad passed me in the kitchen as I was pouring a ridiculous portion of cake batter creamer into my mug. Morning, kiddo, he said with a smile. Hey, I've got to go get your brother. Let your mum know, will you? Sure, no problem. I sipped the coffee, then tipped in another splash of sweet cream to top it off. You know how she gets if I interrupt her Cody time. He winked at me to drive home our inside joke about my mother's crush on the Peloton coach, and then he disappeared out the front door. I had planned to meet some friends downtown at 11, so I brought my coffee to the bathroom with me and stripped down to take a shower. I shut the glass door, sealing me off from the ambient outside world, and as soon as I turned on the water, I could hear my mum humming some beautiful melody in the hallway. I had always loved the warm cocoon of the steam and hot water, and the sweet song was a comforting addition. It took me a couple of seconds to realise that I shouldn't actually be able to hear the singing under the loud spray of the showerhead. So I shut off the water to be able to hear better. And the volume of the singing stayed the same. I pushed open the door and leaned out to try and determine exactly where it was coming from. And even with the door open, the clarity and tone were exactly the same. It didn't sound like it was coming from one specific direction, but it was very clear and almost seemed like it was coming from everywhere. I got chills despite the steamy air and grabbed a towel to wrap around myself so that I could investigate further. I opened the bathroom door, leaned out, and the moment I shouted, Mom! The tune stopped completely. Yes? She answered from the hallway. What are you singing? What? Her head popped out and she looked exasperated and bordering on angry like she always did when I shouted questions instead of walking to wherever she was and asking her in a normal tone. That song! I tried to counter her aggressive mum energy with some teen frustration, even though I had started the conversation and she hadn't done anything wrong. What song are you singing? She was most of the way down the hall by the time I finished my sentence. What song? The song you were humming whilst I was in the shower. I was officially frustrated and feeling very much like I wanted to punish her for no reason. Honey, I have no idea what you're talking about. She turned to go back into her room once she realised our conversation was on its way to nowhere. Mum! She'd committed the cardinal sin of walking away from me before I had my answer, so I leapt on the opportunity to officially start a fight for no reason. I followed her down the hallway and continued, Oh, God, Mum, why are you ignoring me? She paused and took a huge deep breath before turning back. I'm not ignoring you, Sydney. 
I wasn't singing any songs and I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you were. I could hear you. I wasn't sure why she was lying about humming the song I'd heard, but I added it to the pile of reasons to be mad at her and doubled down. Why are you fucking with me? <gasps> Sydney Taylor! She snapped and her eyes widened. She'd heard me swear plenty of times, but I knew she'd never adjust to me growing up. So I used it as a way to shock her when I really wanted to get her attention. What has gotten into you? To keep my mum off kilter, I took a hard emotional right into wounded territory and screwed up my face to look as hurt as possible. I lowered my voice to sound as miserable as I could manage and I took a deep breath in for extra drama. I don't know why you're yelling at me. I just heard someone singing a song and I got scared and now basically you're screaming at me. My mum softened immediately and wrapped her arms around me, laughing slightly and reassuring me. I'm sorry, sweetie. I just didn't know what you were talking about. I wasn't singing, I promise you. Maybe it was a neighbour or something. I nodded my head into her chest and felt slightly satisfied at the wet spot my damp hair left on her blouse. Okay, I'm sorry too. I was tempted to reignite the argument, but I remembered that I was running late to meet my friends, so I decided to use this as an opportunity as a way to coerce a little cash out of her instead. Are you heading to meet the girls? I nodded and gave her the smile that meant I wanted something. She sighed and smiled back. (sighs) Fine she said, and pretended to be put out by my silent request. Come find me before you go and I'll give you some money to treat them to some coffees or something. (laughs) Thanks, mum, I said and gave her another quick squeeze. She loved being the cool mum more than just about anything, and I was more than happy to play along and allow her to spoil me. (laughs) By the time I was done picking a fight and then quickly making up with my mother, I'd forgotten about the singing altogether and rushed to get my hair and makeup done in enough time that I wouldn't be too late. After a brief negotiation, I convinced my mum to give me a couple of hundred pounds and made it to the cafe a mere 15 minutes behind schedule. Lena and the others were already there when I arrived, each sipping on their signature iced beverages and talking over each other as they surveyed everyone walking by. I ordered an ice matcha, the drink that communicated a certain sophistication without trying too hard, and I joined the others. Jesus, it's about time, Lena scolded as I squeezed in behind her. A queen is never late, I winked at Jules who finished the quote. The rest of us are early. She rolled her eyes affectionately and studied the empty cup that I had assumed had recently been full of black iced coffee. She unfolded her long legs under the table and excused herself to get a refill. You just want to flirt with the cute barista, Melody teased. Jules fired back. (laughs) She's not my type. Then contradicted herself by adjusting her perfectly worn leather jacket so it fell off on one shoulder and strode up to the counter with her legendary confidence. I wish I liked girls, Melody sighed and took a dainty sip of her oat milk latte. (laughs) Debs would have an absolute cow, Lena warned, referring to Melody's exceptionally waspy mother. OMG, can you imagine? Melody giggled. I mean, she loves Jules because, well, Jules flirts with her, makes her feel young. But if I bought home a girlfriend... (laughs) We erupted into laughter, imagining Melody and her lesbian lover at one of Deb's garden parties. And Jules returned with a smirk on her face that confirmed that she had indeed been interested in a cute barista and had likely succeeded in getting her number two. Let's get out of here, Lena insisted abruptly. I need to walk around before I have a panic attack from all this caffeine. 
She tossed the rest of her nitro cold brew in the trash and commanded the rest of us to join her with a dramatic sweep of her arm. I'll meet you guys outside, I said, heading to the bathroom. I need to pee real quick. The need to pee came on very urgently and I was relieved to see that all the stalls were open, despite the busy Saturday morning crowd. I peed as quickly as I could, knowing that the others would give me a hard time if I took too long, and allowed myself a couple of minutes to study my face in the mirror to make sure I hadn't missed any important details in my rush to get out of the house. As I reapplied my lip gloss, the lighting in the room seemed to dim slightly, and the change was accompanied by the softest prickling sensation of there being someone behind me. The feeling was impossible because I'd just left the stall behind me, but I shifted just slightly to check and dropped my lip gloss with an echoing clatter as my eyes locked with the single, sunken eye that stared back at me from the space between the stalls. I spun around to confront the peeping Tom, and the place that I'd seen the eye was empty. But the feeling of watched persisted. I kicked open the door as hard as I could, but the stall was very much vacant. What the fuck? I whispered and studied the spaces at the bottom of each stall to confirm that they were all empty. I was shaking slightly as I turned back to collect my purse and makeup, and the tingling feeling grew even stronger, so I glanced up and the eye was back in the place that it had been before. What are you looking at? I challenged and stiffened up to try and look as threatening as possible. The eye blinked once and I could clearly see the pale, sickly skin surrounding it. I shivered violently and just before I turned around again, it spoke. The voice sounded simultaneously very far away and dangerously close, and the urgent tone filled me with a panic that I had never experienced before. Sit! It hissed, and I could have sworn I felt the word as a physical sensation as it passed through me. Sit! It said again, and it seemed to require a tremendous amount of energy to get the words out. Sits. Book. What? I shouted and spun around again to challenge the stranger. What are you saying? The space was empty once again, but I kicked the door open anyway, and this time I stepped inside ready to take on whoever had decided to harass me. The stall was completely empty, but the words came again, and I almost stumbled back from the immediacy and velocity of the sound. Sid's book. I looked around under the metal walls and then up and down the small bathroom, but there wasn't anyone else there with me. I shot a dirty look up at the speaker bolted to the corner of the room and was instantly flushed with anger that someone was trying to scare me. I'd given them my name when I'd ordered, and so I assumed that the bored baristas must be playing some kind of prank with the sound system. I shot a middle finger up at the speaker and stormed out of the restroom to find my friends. They were halfway down the block talking to a group of guys who looked like they were in their 20s. What took you so long? Lena asked as I joined them. 
These guys invited us to their thing later at the Grand. David is going to be there, one of the guys said. Cool, I responded, barely acknowledging him and giving all of my attention to Lena. Someone was fucking with me in the bathroom. They knew my name and they were saying weird shit all over the speaker. (laughs) What? Lena said. Are you serious? Did did you say something? You know, uh, David with the number four in his name, the guy interrupted. Yeah, we know who David is, I said as dismissively as possible and then turned to answer Lena. No, I don't want to give them the satisfaction. Well... I'd love to get those shits fired, she said, and half turned to go back to the cafe. Let's just get out of here, I insisted. It's been a weird day already and I just need to spend some money and get over it. My friends perked up at the mention of shopping and the dudes slunk away to find other teen girls to impress. What were they saying to you in the bathroom? Lena asked just as Melody and Jules walked ahead of us. Just Sid's book, I shrugged. Sid's book? Lena grabbed my arm and stopped us in our tracks. <laughs> yeah, weird, right? I glanced at our friends who were walking by a store I really wanted to go to and I took a breath to call out to them. Don't you remember? Lena tugged my arm to get my full attention. Sid's book! We were obsessed with that thing! Lena had been my best friend my entire life, which was lucky for me because I had the memory of a goldfish when she was a steel trap. If it wasn't for her, so many important memories would have slipped away forever, and sometimes I wondered about the moments I'd lost because she hadn't been there. Oh my God, Sydney, you're amazing sometimes. Lena rolled her eyes when my blank face made it clear that I had no idea what she was talking about. She continued, Sid's book, the book we wrote when we were kids for like months. A spark of memory appeared. I had the briefest image of a worn red spiral notebook with the words Sid's book scrawled across the front in black marker. I started to nod involuntarily as the fuzzy edges of my recollection sharpened. Oh, yeah! I could feel my eyes widen as I made the connection. Did anyone else help us with it? I don't think so. Lena furrowed her brow as she thought back. Maybe we were like six or something, so uh, I doubt it. She shrugged, and we shared a silent pause while we wondered how the barista could have known about the book and used it to prank me in the bathroom. Uh, Maybe someone saw it in your room at some point, Lena offered, and the image of the spirals of the notebook wedged in between several long-forgotten books came rushing to the forefront of my mind. Oh my god, you might be right. I grabbed her arm and gave it a grateful squeeze for helping me unravel the mystery. I think I still have it. How weird. We shared excited expressions and I broke the moment by pulling Lena in the direction that I had last seen Jules and Melody. Now, let's go before Melody buys something embarrassing without us. Lena cackled and we sprinted down the sidewalk until we spotted our friends. We spent the afternoon spending our parents' money, then Lena FaceTimed me later that night to see if I wanted to go to the warehouse party that the 20-year-olds claimed would have David with a four in his name in attendance. Yeah, maybe. I was feeling non-committal, which was typical for me. I'm like, 80% interested? Same, she agreed. I'm mostly not in the mood to straighten my hair or fix my contour. Oh my god. She studied her face in the small window of the computer screen and then perked up, remembering something. Hey, did you look for Sid's book? I set down my phone, excited by the assignment, and went to my bookshelf to search for the long-forgotten notebook. It only took a minute to find it, smushed between a Katy Perry CD and my favourite Goosebumps book, Stay Out of the Basement. 
I picked up, stay out of the basement, and thumbed through it, momentarily distracted. Oh man, remember this? I held up the cover to Lena, about the weird parents. Sid, she reprimanded, stay focused. Oh yeah. I dropped the goosebumps and grabbed the bent wire of the notebook. Sure enough, Sid's book was written in shaky, uneven handwriting with little curl embellishments at the end of most of the letters. Huh. I laughed and went back to my desk. Look at that. I opened to the first page and read out loud. Sid was a girl who was very cool. She lived with her mum and dad and her stinky baby brother. (laughs) Some things never change. Lena laughed and I rolled my eyes. What else does it say? I flipped a couple of pages and continued. Oh my God, you're in here too! (laughs) Sid and Lena went to the birthday party of a princess and got so much cake and candy. Like I said, some things never change. Lena laughed harder and I nodded in agreement. I flipped towards the end and read, And a very scary monster lived in the yellow house. The monster wanted to eat Sid, so she turned Daddy into a dragon to burn it down. Jesus, that got dark! I laughed and looked up at Lena, who looked like she was remembering something. Oh my God, Sid, do you remember the yellow house? No... What yellow house? I glanced down at the crudely drawn house with the lopsided monster face in the window. Lena continued. Yeah, the yellow house. You were so afraid of that house. I have no idea what you're talking about. I stared at my best friend for answers and she nodded excitedly. Remember? I remember you telling me that you saw a monster in the window of the yellow house and then my mum drove us by a couple of times and you absolutely freaked out. She nodded harder, remembering. I think it was one of your dad's properties. Really? I was struggling to put any of it together and Lena looked as amused and exasperated as she always did when I couldn't remember something. My dad was a real estate investor and developer, and he'd started his career by purchasing several smaller homes when I was little. Hold on. I grabbed the laptop that I was using to chat with Lena and brought it to the hallway to listen for my parents. I could hear them chatting in the living room, and the volume of their conversation told me that they'd had at least four drinks. When they got drunk, I could set off fireworks in the kitchen and they'd barely notice, so I knew it was safe to sneak around in my dad's office. I padded down into the hall into the massive room that he'd designed to be his office when he'd built our equally massive house. I pulled the heavy door closed behind me, just in case, and brought the laptop over to his desk. (laughs) A Jess and Bobby riding the Chardonnay wave? Lena asked and giggled. You know it! (laughs) I giggled along with her as I woke up my dad's computer and typed in his ridiculously easy password. The Chardonnay wave was our not-so-subtle phrase for when my parents were so drunk I could do anything and get away with it. She and I had snuck out of my house hundreds of times over the years, thanks to their shared Chardonnay habit. I clicked around on my dad's computer until I found the software that he had used to manage his real estate portfolio. On the one occasion that I'd misjudged the Chardonnay wave and got busted returning from an all-night party, part of my punishment had been to help my dad transfer his files to new software, so... I was intimately familiar with it. I pulled up the spreadsheet that contained his properties and started to click on the photos attached to each address. 
At that point, he had sold most of his single-family homes years ago so that he could invest in commercial properties and luxury high-rise condos. And so I almost gave up looking for the yellow house. Before I did, though, I scanned the list for any addresses that looked like they could belong to a normal house instead of a commercial monolith. And towards the bottom of the list, I saw 4513 Daffodil Lane and clicked on it confident that my dad would never build a businessplex on a road with such a precious name. The photo thumbnail ballooned to fill the screen, and I slapped my hand over my mouth at the sight of the yellow house. Did you find it? Lena nearly shouted and bounced up and down in her seat. Show me, show me! I stared at the image for several more seconds, unable to speak or move as a massive rush of mostly foggy but extremely powerful memories rose from a dark hidden place inside of me at the sight of the photo. Sid! Lena nearly screamed and I snapped out of it enough to swivel the screen towards my laptop so she could confirm that indeed it was the yellow house where the monster had lived. Holy shit, that's it! She squealed, but I was still so awash in the memories that I couldn't respond. The moments came back to me in a slideshow of fuzzy images. But I did remember the horrible feeling that I felt when I passed that house as a kid. It was the bottomless, aching dread that you can only feel when you're a tiny child. It was the feeling of knowing that the world was not as it seemed and that things were not okay and never would be. What the fuck, Lena? I whispered and turned to my friend. I realised that she was still talking and her tone had reached a manic pitch, but I tuned it out as I travelled back in time in my mind. The recollections were so strong I could physically feel them and I, I really, really didn't like the way it felt. I can't believe you found it, she said once she had my attention again. And I can't believe we forgot about it. We talked about that house so much, I I think it became an urban legend in my mind. I was still only half listening to my friend as the images continued to cycle through my head on a demented loop and I was helpless to stop them. After a couple of seconds, the horrible slideshow stopped on a memory of a very clear day when I was very young. I was in the car in the front of the house and I was looking at a large picture window in the front because something had caught my attention. I remembered the heavy curtain that covered the window fluttering. Then my breath caught in my throat as I remembered the curtains parting violently to reveal the monster. The thin twisted, terrifying face caused me to slap my hand over my mouth again to stifle a scream and I remember a bony hand slapping the window heavily and the feeling of fear as it gripped my tiny body and then the memory was gone I took a deep shuddering breath and turned back to Lena who was asking if I was okay that house I said in a voice just over a whisper what 
Lena's voice was cut off as I slapped my laptop shut and closed all the tabs of the software on my dad's computer and clicked the series of commands that would put it to sleep. I rushed back to my room to drop the laptop, grabbed my car keys and then snuck easily out of the back door. My phone said that 4513 Daffodil Lane was eight minutes away. So I slid my car soundlessly out of the driveway and was on my way to find the yellow house. Eight minutes later, I pulled into the neighbourhood that was home to the yellow house. And as I rolled down the mostly barren street towards the inverted droplet on my map that indicated I had almost reached my destination... The air in the car felt dense from my growing dread. The neighbourhood had all but failed, and the few remaining houses were dark and deeply unwelcoming. I imagined their ghostly warnings waiting to turn back as I scanned vacant black windows for any sign of comfort or warmth. But the endless desolation and gloom consumed it all. I rolled in front of the yellow house and it was exactly as it had appeared in my memory. I imagined my much younger self staring at the same thick curtains behind the same large window in the middle of the same unremarkable home. It looked like millions of other homes but this one contained my monster and my curiosity cut through the fear that was threatening to consume me and propelled me out of my car. I drifted towards the house, dragged forward by my need to know. And when I reached the keypad on the door, I entered my birthday without thinking and heard the swift buzz of the bolt retracting in the frame. The door opened into the living room, which was empty save for a small table with a single lamp on it. As if on cue, the lamp clicked on, slightly illuminating the room, and I almost ran back to my car. But I noticed the timer it was plugged into, and so closed the door behind me. I took several deep breaths as I listened for any signs of life. And after a few beats, I heard the soft rustle of fabric and a low sort of hissing coming from the end of the short hall to the left. I could see another dim light in the furthest room, so I followed it past two empty bedrooms and a bathroom and then paused again to listen and breathe again. My baby. I reflexively dug my fingers into the wood frame of the closest door and I could feel tears in my eyes as the most secret and complicated parts of my brain started to react to the hideous voice. It sounded ancient and monstrous, and it was all I could do to not run. C. 
Sid. The voice was more clear, but still sent an involuntary ripple of chills through me. Sid. My baby. The voice trailed off in a sob and I walked forward, unable to resist the summons. The monster appeared, a sliver at a time as I rounded the doorframe and stepped through the thin veil separating the life I thought I had and reality. She was as thin as a living thing can be. So weak. Her one frail arm could barely lift off the bed to reach for me as I stepped into the pale light. Her face was a confusing twist of flesh and empty space, and the desperation in her sunken eyes was staggering. Tears fell freely from her mangled cheek and into the void where her mouth should have been, and the hollow space swelled as she said, You came. She sobbed pathetically as I stood frozen, terrified of the scene in front of me. I've called for you and called for you and you came. She swiped at her face and continued. My baby, my baby can finally save me. Her breath sucked in and out in audible bursts and I turned to contemplate the door and how quickly I could escape the nightmare I'd stepped into before turning back, clearing my throat and asking... Who are you? Her eyes rolled back in agony before returning to my face. She sucked in another rattling breath and said, I'm Mommy. The room spun and I looked around for something to steady myself against, but there was nothing nearby that could save me. I leaned deeply in half and choked back the bile that was rising in my throat as she continued to tell her gruesome tale. I got a scratch from that awful cat your dad loved so much. She waved her bony hand over the missing section of her face. And then I went swimming. At your grandma's lake. Her eyes darkened as she thought back, and her tiny body shuddered while relaying what happened next. It started here. She waved her hand over the area where her face had dropped off and disappeared just past the nose and the remaining section of her jaw ended in a raw mound of skin that stretched taut to connect with the nub of her chin. The doctors took that off. But it also got my arm. She whimpered 
and her voice dropped so low I could barely hear her say, And my foot. Most of her body was covered in a comforter, but I imagined the empty spaces next to where her arm and foot should be. When they discharged me, your dad put me here. He said I would scare you, that I would ruin your life, and he could never love me now. He told everyone the infection killed me, and he brought me here. Her arm circled in the air above to indicate the room that had been her prison for most of my life. I blinked several times to try and bring her message into focus, but it was impossible. The horror was so great. There was no chance to brace myself before it crashed over me and washed me completely off my feet into an abyss that I could never escape. I took a tentative step towards the ravaged woman on the bed, claiming to be my abandoned mother. He's kept me alive, but that's all. The misery in her voice was excruciating, and I balled my hands into fists to keep from covering my ears to block it out. And for all these years, I've called for you all day and all night. I call and I call and I call for my baby. And you finally heard me. My small girl. My small beautiful girl. Her dark eyes locked into mine, and I couldn't see any part of myself in her, no matter how deeply I looked. You saw me once, I shivered as she conjured the memory of the monster in the yellow house again. I broke out of here. She motioned to the bed and then to the door. And I almost got free. But he caught me. Tears began streaming again as she remembered. But I saw you. I saw you in the car calling for me. She cried softly for a moment and then looked at me again. He said I scared you, but I saw you calling for me. Calling for your mommy. Something inside of her broke. And she sobbed so deeply, I was afraid she'd snap in two. I took another tentative step towards her, then another. 
and as I reached her bed, she sensed my presence and looked up with an unbearable hope in her eyes. I knew you'd hear me if I called. I knew you'd save me. My Sydney. My sweet baby girl. I reached towards her face with a shaking hand. And I could feel my own hot tears on my cheeks. I knew you'd save me. My Sydney. My Sydney. She continued to chant my name. Her quiet prayer to the daughter who had been taken from her when she lost her face and limbs along with the life she'd made. Her eyes closed in anticipation of my touch. I cleared my throat and whispered. Dad was right. I pulled the pillow out from under her head and pressed it firmly against her face to bury it once again this time forever was written by Courtney Eck and narrated by Missley Rose Neville. Our Patreon is officially live, so for more stories that haunt, as well as a behind-the-scenes look at what we do and why we do it, please join at Patreon slash Please Leave Pod. You can follow Please Leave on Facebook and Instagram at Please Leave Pod. Our email is pleaseleavepod at gmail.com, and our website is pleaseleavepod.com. This has been a Two Penguins Media production. Quack.